0: I made more
1: money. Oh!
0: No idea what that is. Recorded? Live. Well, I guess we're on. The I air guess now. we're on air now. <laughs> so I, I, I'm I'm going to go back to where we were. I have no idea what happened there. So let's uh let's jump back to where we had just started. Let's go back one more time. Okay. Uh, to uh to to how you got into it, and then again back to uh how you know how much of the movie, right? You know, obviously everybody. Bob Elmore's on the line with me. Leatherface from Part Two, and What's the up everybody? Texas chainsaw fans is, you know, how much Leatherface was he, and what we had talked about off air was quite a bit.
1: Well, okay, let's start all over again. You know, like I said, I'm a I was a professional stuntman for almost 30 years in the movie and TV business. Um, we got a call. Uh, there was a group of us to uh, to get together, and we were going to double uh, these actors: uh, Bill Johnson, Caroline Williams. Uh, Dennis Hopper, and Bill Moseley, and we were going to do this movie called Texas Chainsaw Part Two. And so we uh, got the job. Um, we rehearsed a little bit in the valley and headed off to Texas. Now, the first thing that we did, the first scene was on the bridge, and that was myself. Uh, I did, we, we filmed it all one night, looked at it, and they forgot to turn the lights on, and it was so dark you couldn't see anything. <laughs> so, that was the first That's thing. Rough. That was just the the beginning of this catastrophe. Um, so, we went back out again, and to do it again, it was raining and, and between rains and stuff, we uh, we got the part that was uh, not filmed right. We got that done, jumped in, and then I got into the part about cutting the, uh, the Mercedes up with the kids inside and doing all that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in order to do that, you know, I, like I said, I used real chainsaws throughout this whole movie. They tried to make fake ones. They tried to make light ones to play with, and they could never do it. So we ended up using real ones. And these were the one I used was the biggest chainsaw they made at the time. And it was between 65 and 75 pounds. So it was, you know, heavy duty. So I get in there, and we do this, and I break my wrist. So we had one one more scene to do and it's a scene where you see the truck uh, driving off towards the end of the bridge. That was Tom Morgan. Tom came in to double a couple of the kids and do some stuff, and he ended up putting the suit on, and that's what he did. Mm-hmm. All right, now go on a little bit further, and we go to a scene where I jumped out of uh, like a cave and – Hit a light, and I scare Caroline Williams, and then I start to chase her. Well, I did that, jumped out, cut, and I go, "Great, my day is done," because it was so flipping hot in there. You know, the the whole thing was it was 110 115 degrees every day in Austin, Texas, every day when we were filming. It was 100% humidity every day. There was nothing they could do to get it cool. You know, it was just hot. So I'm all done, I take off, I'm gonna take get out of the stuff. And they go, Bob, hold on, hold on, hold on, come back here. You're not done. Oh, okay. So we're gonna film it again? Which isn't that's not unusual. No. Bill can't pick up the chase off, so you're gonna to have to do the the close ups of running and chasing Caroline. Alright. So here it goes. And I ended up doing that. He jumped in for one quick close up on that. Uh he jumped in for a close up at the very end of the movie and that was it period he got he couldn't lift the saw he didn't want to lift the saw he got sick he got whatever you know and that's just the truth i don't i don't have to bullshit anybody Mm -hmm. i know what happened i was there i made all the money and he didn't hey um (laughs) and again i
0: know i'm asking you to get into somebody else's shoes here so i'm just curious was it ever explained to you you know why he was and I mean no disrespect to anybody, but no. why was he even involved anyway
1: if you're the doing that much of it? Right. You know, they. this is what I heard. I don't know what if this is true or not. I don't know. This mm-hmm. is what I heard. They wanted uh, Gunner to do part two.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, well, I guess Gunner got so screwed on the first one. I don't know. He wasn't very happy with him, whatever. And he wanted a lot of money. They didn't want to pay a lot of money. And you're wearing a mask, so you don't know who's in it or not. It could be anybody. So they ended up casting Bill Johnson because he had these really big eyes, and in the mask you you can see you know you make expressions with your eyes, and that's what they wanted so that's what that was you know that's why they you know they hired him to do that so okay. but in the meantime he couldn't run with it, he couldn't pick it up, he couldn't put it over his head he couldn't you know we had a big uh, fight with it, and he couldn't do that, and so on and so forth.
0: Well, that sounds like the, the entire one of the reasons why we've always been given why uh, Kane Hodder didn't get to do Freddy versus Jason. But I guess it is what it is. Directors look what the, for what you know they what? look for. You know what? Uh,
1: you know it is. You know that's the that's the nature of the business. It's crazy. I mean, you know, I don't know how many times that I've gone in interviews and I thought, man, I'd be perfect for that. You know, for this job, and not get it. You know, mm-hmm. and at the beginning of my career, it used to you know really bother me. You know. I thought, well, I should have got this, and I didn't, you know. And I finally come to, to realize that, you know, you're going to get what you get. You know, you can get – if you ask for a big guy, you're going to get the gamut. You're going to get short, big, tall, big, medium, big, 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 you know, the whole thing. So it's all in a look. If they like your look, then you're, you're going to get a job, you know. And if you're lucky enough to double somebody, if you're close to them – that's even better. You know, I doubled John Candy in a bunch of movies. I doubled Paul Servino in movies and TV. So, you know, John Goodman and just all who you know, who's, who's got the work and if you can fit into that category.
0: You know, um, when you were, you are kind of talking about the filming of the movie, you actually talked about something that, uh, I don't think a lot of people know, like when you watch the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you can feel the heat coming off of
1: that movie and you know how hot it is. You know what the actors went through. Absolutely. But, that was the most miserable. I talked to, uh, John Duggan, uh, mm-hmm. Marilyn, well, God bless her. Well, she was, you know, I, uh, got to talk to her a lot. And, um, Uh, a couple other people from the original one, you know, and they said, again, that was the most miserable experience they ever had because it was so flipping hot. And, you know, there was nothing you can do to beat the heat. I mean, there was just nothing. They were were in it, and, you know, Gunner was in a mask and uh, all the crap he had. I was wearing a suit in mine a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, it it would just get... It was unbearably hot. You know, I was talking about this scene where... We're running down the tube there and i'm chasing caroline and and it's a pov over my shoulder to her uh back to me you know we're running and i get an ice water at the beginning i get an ice water at the end and we did that for like 10 or 12 hours i believe and i never went to the bathroom once i just sweat i mean it just completely drenched everything i had on you know that's yeah how i was gonna
0: Part two was, and as obvious, you know, that you guys were suffering for your craft as much as it was with part one. Talk a little bit more about that, how hot it was. And, and honestly, um, I, I almost, you know, when I watched the movie, I don't, I don't, like, I, it didn't feel like that, that the heat would add anything to the atmosphere. So I'm curious why they even cho-
1: chose those conditions beyond, like, You know Opion. what, it was, you know, they, they the, uh, most of the interiors and stuff were filmed in a, uh, it was right downtown Austin off of 6th Street. It was an old newspaper building that they tore down, and they tore the inside of it out of it. So it was like a four-story building, but it was all gutted. And that's where they put all that stuff in there. And they had the interior of the radio stations in there. They had interiors. Most of the interiors were all done in there. And then they did a facade of the radio station, outside radio station right in the parking lot of this old uh, newspaper building. And then the uh, the bridge was someplace over by an an air force base, and I don't remember where. And then the uh, there was an old amusement park that they filmed a lot of the stuff at, you know. And uh, the only way you could tell how extremely terrible it was that you, I got a couple of snapshots that somebody took of me after, the, after the day, and I took all the mask and stuff off, and it, it was just dripping. Everything was just dripping off of me, you know. But. That's where they wanted to do it, and uh, those are the conditions we worked under.
0: Uh, Going into the movie, you know, Texas Chainsaw, we talked about it off air that, uh, you know, that you guys were really impressed with the original. Um, What what were your expectations heading into this one? Were you thinking that it was going to be some sort of a hit? Did you think it was going to
1: be straight horror? Were you surprised by the dark comedy aspect? Absolutely. I didn't know what to expect. I mean, it was like crazy. It, it, It. Everybody was crazy on that show. Everybody. It just drove everybody nuts. You know, uh, Toby Hooper is just a madman. And, you know, I don't know you know, him and that was Kit Carson, I believe, was a writer. And they were right he was writing everyday stuff. He changed stuff and write it and write all day long every day. You know, so I was just, you know, they tell us, okay, we need to go do this, we need to go do this. And then when I got into the thing where, uh, I was doing the uh the scene with Caroline, where I cut uh what's the name's face off and I put it on her and I danced with her and all that you know again, I had three or four people yelling at me and telling me to try different things they were off camera and uh to do that because I'm not an actor i didn't you know I don't know how to act, but I know how to react to things, so they were telling me and I'm trying to react to their suggestions and do it, and that's what you see you know. You know, Chance love in the when she was in the ice bucket. I'm, I'm, you know, when I go, what do you want me to do? He goes, well, act like you're fucking her. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, I got you. And this is Toby Who, He's up in the catwalk above. You can't see it, but he's above the 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 walls. Yeah. You know, going nuts, trying to get this reactions and get this emotion out of you. And again, if you're not an actor, that's hard to do. You know, God bless actors because uh, I wouldn't want to do it.
0: There was something that, that unique that I thought you kind of brought to the Leatherface part, and that was where you would put the chainsaw over your head and right. do this little dance, oh the side-to-side side dance. And I swear, like, we talk about it all the time, how funny it is, but also how classic it is. It's...
1: And, I mean, you see a little bit of that from Gunner in the first one, but this was all you as far as I was concerned. This was, this was crazy. It said, do something. Now, I don't remember ever seeing... Him do it, it was just something i come up with, and they just kept putting it in there. They kept making me do it over and over and over again. You know, it was just something that Leatherface was, you know, his expression of, uh, you know, whatever. And because uh, I keep, I get asked that a lot, and I go, I don't know. That's just something I came up with. I, I, I was more physical than anything else. I mean, it was a very physical, demanding job, and I wanted to make him very physical, up to the point where you know he got really uh somewhat tender with uh, the with Caroline's you know with Stretch having to you know because he fell in love with her and this was you know the of a ungodly love story you know I mean <laughs> yeah. good God I don't you know but that's you know I wanted to make it strong until it had to be weak like that if that makes yeah. any sense I don't know oh no that makes sense. And you know, uh,
0: you brought up the the love story between Leatherface and her. And again, you're a guy, so it's a little different for you because most of us guys will do whatever the hell somebody tells us to do, right. especially with a woman. But you know, was was there any scenes there that like you know during all of that that you're like, this is
1: really weird for me? Everything was weird to me. Are you kidding? No. Oh my god. <laughs> Come on. The you know the the thing with that the face was just it was freaking me out. You mm-hmm. know because the, the the fake blood is really sticky like a a syrup almost you know and it's just all over the place and it you know it's you got that really weird feeling of uh, I know you you like you've touched blood before and this stuff doesn't feel like it but it's all dark and it just it got really spooky and very eerie to me you know and it's like okay when it's over I'm out of here you know (laughs) so it was it was uh it was trippy and then Again, dealing with Bill Moseley, with chop top and all his crap, and I'm standing there watching him and trying to react to him, and he was just flipping me out. You know, crazy, crazy stuff. It was a great honor to be with uh, Dennis Hopper. You know, I mean, he was a, an icon that, um, you know, he got he got cornered in doing this movie, <laughs> but uh, um, it was just you know, like I said, an honor to to work with him. I've got to work with quite a few you know, very famous people, and that and was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. What did you think of working with him beyond the fact that he's just a legend and all that? I mean, what was he like to work with? Was, he, was he you know kept... what? He Okay, he was right at the end of when he was all, you know, drugged out and stuff, so he was, mm-hmm. it was a chore to get him to do this fight, you know, and to go over it. We had to rehearse it, and it was just, he just, you know, really didn't want to. He wanted to go play golf with Willie Nelson and, you know, and this was just something he had to you know he had to fulfill his commitment for this stupid movie and um but to listen to him talk and to tell stories about you know old Hollywood and all the stuff that he did when he was young you know just put you in awe you know
0: yeah yeah absolutely but to um, listen
1: to him he's he's that method actor he and listen to him get into this character and he's off stage and he gets into this rhythmic Thing of uh, you know, getting the character and getting it and getting it and getting it until he becomes the character and he goes on and he does the scene. That's that's just you know mesmerizing to me. I can't. I wish I could do that.
0: Yeah, uh, and you know what? He was actually very memorable in the film. It just it's one. The, it's a shame that he didn't think much of it and that it right. wasn't you know one of his favorites. But for mm-hmm. us as fans, I thought he was a great part of the movie oh, yeah. personally.
1: You know, I mean. When this thing came out, my wife was pregnant with my second daughter at the time, and, and she was having a major conniption fit. She still doesn't, you know, dig it today. Uh, but it's a, you know, I find more and more and more people who, you know, they're young, kid, they were young kids when they first saw it, and now they're old, and they have kids of their own now, who are really into this movie. They look at it, and they analyze it, and they they really, really enjoy it. You know, my kids thought it was so dumb that they, you know, whatever. This is what Dad did, you know. But um, uh, I just find there's a lot of people out there that really, really enjoyed this movie. So do you think that's kind of a, a, a trend that's happened where
0: originally maybe it wasn't as respected and now people are coming around to it? because oh, that's kind of how I've been over the absolutely. last 10 years or so. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, these... I don't know how long, maybe 10, 15 years, that people really get around. They're really, like I said, they're really enjoying it now. It's, you know, it, it's talked about more now than I think it ever has been. Um, you know, that's why I get out there and I tell whatever I know. I will tell, and talk to whoever. I really enjoy talking to people. Uh, I've been to Germany several times for shows, and they love this movie. It was banned in Germany for. Ever and they would bootleg it. They'd go to England and buy it and sneak it back into their country. That's you know because they wanted to see it. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's crazy.
0: Yeah, t- I'll tell you what. Uh, talk talk a little bit about how uh, I, I guess the feedback, whether it be from the fans or people who weren't even fans originally. Um, you know, whenever the movie came out, Texas Chainsaw. I don't know if it had hit cult classic status when part two had come out, but I mean there had to be some expectation of. This is a straight horror movie, and now we're getting this dark comedy. I don't understand right. why they gave us this.
1: Ah, uh, you know what? who knows? I don't know you know like I think you know the first the first one is a cult classic. It is a classic horror movie. It was one of the first that you know you never saw any blood, but you heard everything, and you just you know it was weird and uh it was just you know fascinating for when it came out, and then one of the first of its kind. And then you get on. Then the the Freddy's came. You know the Freddy Krueger thing came out, and Jasons, and all that stuff. And they just went on and on and on and on and on. Their the original Chainsaw Massacre is just an original classic movie. It should be considered that. You know, part two was so different that it's almost in that status. That right now, it's just too different. You know, it just tried to be funny, and it and that's what they wanted to do. It was they wanted to make it a like you said, a black, you know, more black comedy and more, you know, weirdness. And we did a couple versions. One was more gory than the other, and that was for the Japanese uh, market. So, you know, I mean, at the time, you know, now they say, they show you everything. And now, back then, you couldn't show the squirting blood out of the guy's head all his mm-hmm. head came off and all this other stuff, you know. Well, but, you got uh, into
0: some of the gore. You might as well talk about Savini as well.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, Tom Savini, what a what a character. He was, he you know, I mean, he was just like a mad genius almost. All the stuff he came up with, and his crew. I mean, those guys, and I can't remember their names. I've I worked with them a couple different times over the years, but their crew were unbelievable. They're the ones that are you know in the back, in the you know in, in the, the back scenes where we're in the, the the cauldrons in the caves of making all this stuff up. And we got to go in there a lot and talk to them and they'd have, you know, books on death and they were looking at how to, you know, how to uh, to make uh, muscles and what they look like when the skin come off and all this stuff. So they were really into all that stuff. And that was, you know, the the, the genius at work.
0: Um, to uh Talk about somebody else that was kind of—you you talked about crazy on set. You know, Mosley was he in character a lot on set?
1: You know, I asked, I talked to him, and this, there's another, you know, evil genius guy that who, and he is just a great actor. He just got into these these different roles of his that that you know, um, and I, you know, and he would come up with some of the stuff, and I asked him, I go, well, is that part of the script? And he goes, yeah. And then you didn't know if it was or if it wasn't. <laughs> you know but him picking his head with that flipping uh and i'm sitting there you now i'm in the scene but i'm watching him you know and it's just driving me nuts and him picking that in his head and eating the, the little pieces of it and you know oh jesus it's crazy but a hell of a nice guy just bill is just a super nice person you know so uh, heading into the movie, were you were you a horror fan before this or no? Uh, not really, you know. Uh, my my stuff. I went back. I was the original Dracula and Frankenstein, the Mummy, and all that. That's what I grew up on, and I guess it was a horror show. So, I could, you know, it's it was different than it is today. You know, right? Fifty years ago or whatever, however long ago, and that's what I grew up on. So I really enjoyed those, you know, and all that stuff. And then, you know, the first, like, the first horror movies that came out, you know, uh, were probably in the line of Texas Chainsaw. And then after that came out, that's when all the other, the, they got more gory and more gory and more gory. But, you know, I, I remember going to see The Exorcist and driving home, and that face flashed on my windshield and almost got in a car wreck, you know. That's how bad it scared me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So all that kind of stuff, that, you know, that really supernatural type of thing, you know. But I yeah. have a, I have a great respect for horror movie horror people, the whole industry, you know. I have a great great respect for all that. Cause it's it's so hard to get into and it's so hard to do, you know.
0: Well, I guess in a way you got to come full circle there. You talked about Dracula, the wolfman and all that. Uh you got to work on the monster squad
1: if, monster, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that. Experience. I got to do that again. Like you know, I said before, I'm a, I'm a stunt man, so I got to, mm-hmm. I got killed by Dracula, and then I got killed by the the fish guy, you know, on that show. Mm-hmm. Now all the characters were done by. You know, now my memory is gonna is just gonna fade on me. It was uh, the guy that did the Predator. Um, oh crap! Oh. I'll, I'll I know think,
0: you're talking about I'll up it up on, you know. Yeah, I'll think of it later on.
1: Anyway, the guy that was playing in, uh, we wanted to have all stuntmen into, into these characters so we could really you know, beat the crap out of each other. And he wouldn't do it. He made his people get in it. So the guy that was in the fish suit was a guy named Tom Woodruff Jr. Well, Tom Woodruff is, is a famous special effects guy. Famous guy. You know, he's done all kinds of stuff. He was in the Predator suit. He did a lot of stuff, and then he got into designing, and he does all his stuff now. <clears throat> and I uh, ran into him in Germany, and I said, I go, you recognize this picture? He goes, Oh, my God. I go, Yeah, that was me. You know, and he goes, Well, that was me. And I go, Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> but, uh, so I got, you know, and we worked on all that. I get, I don't know what else I did on it. I did a bunch of small stuff down there, but yeah, that was, uh, Tom Noonan was you know Frankenstein and he you know unbelievable. And uh, Dracula, uh, all those guys. And all the kids, you know, and there again it's turned into a, a a cult class that I get more people commenting on on Monster Squad than a lot of other stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's one of those that people. I think if you're an '80s kid, then you definitely have some sort of a reverence for it, and especially if you like the Universal monsters, which I did. So, oh yeah. Um, you know, I-, I talked to Ted White, of course, Jason from Part Four, and right. one of the one of the very interesting things about him, is, of course, that he got to stunt for John Wayne and yep. and Clark Gable, and I really was just so entertained by his stories as a stuntman. Well, you've got, you don't have Clark Gable and John Wayne, but you rattled off a ton of names there. Uh, We'll start with Texas Chainsaw, just from the stunt aspect. Can you talk, uh, can you tell some stuntman stories there and then,
1: you know, kind of get into some other stories with other movies? Well, this was, you know, people don't know about it. You know, this guy, we worked together at Knott's Berry Farm years ago and we got into the business about the same time. And worked our way up to making a living out of it. Dan Beringer, who worked on um, all the uh, um, Lord of the Rings movies, he worked, he did a, he coordinated all a lot of the uh, um, parts of the Caribbean, and so on and so on and so on. And this poor guy had to shave his head because he was doubling Bill Mosley. And so we, there was a scene where he comes flying out of this tube. And he's climbing up, or he's climbing, chasing somebody, and he gets kicked, and he falls backwards, and he goes down this tube. You know, well, this is yep. a nice little fall that he does. And he gets up there, and they just finish painting it. Da da da. Let's roll. Boom! He takes off and does his great fall. Oops! There was no film in the camera. Now he just laid himself out completely. You know, so I had to get it, fix it all, back up again get the film in the camera and we filmed it again and then he did it again, you know, but that's what happened throughout the movie. We were just, we were killing ourselves to, to bring this, uh, bigger than life action, you know? And, um, Beth Newford, the, who doubled Caroline Williams, we beat her to death. Uh, you know, Jimmy Stephan, we beat him. I mean, me and him did that, that a sword fall a sword fight with chainsaws. That was the first of its kind, I believe. And, um, we just beat, and you can see on the film when we're doing this fight, you see all these sparks go off, and those are not special effects; those are real sparks because we're beating the crap out of each other. And, you know, and that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to do it as as big as we possibly could. So that's one aspect of it. You know, I mean, it was just so physically demanding. You know, uh, God, I don't know how many stories I've got. I've got them. You know. I was working on a TV show, uh, Doubling Pulse Ravino. I was called The Oldest Rookie years ago. And I had to do a near miss on a car. Well, the stunt coordinator was driving the car. I go up. I, you know, I got as close as I possibly, you know, let him get as close as he possibly could. And I went up over the, the car hood and uh, my foot hit the antenna and he thought he ran me over. And this is a famous, famous stunt guy. R.A. Rondell, and this guy, you know, he was so upset. Man. And I said, I told him, I said, well, do you want me to get close? I got close, you know. And that's the kind of stuff, you know, you try to do. I try to do 150%. And I, 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 I'm and walking crazy now because of all the stuff I did years ago. You know, we beat ourselves to death, and that's why you see these old stunt guys hobbling around because you know, you, could, you put your name on it, and it says professional and you better be and you better give everybody 150% or you're not going to work and luckily I made a pretty good living out
0: you uh you talk about uh kind of what your body's been through and uh <laughs> can you can you kind of talk about some of
1: the injuries uh, that you really remember that kind of stuck with you from doing these stunts well i okay, guess i broke my wrist on texas Chainsaw. And I worked with a broken wrist throughout the movie because they were gonna send me home. They're gonna put a cast on my wrist, you know, and they're gonna send me home. I go, no, I can't leave. I'm the only one that can do this. And, uh, you know, they're all freaking out, the production people. So I told the doctor, I said, well, just put a half cast on it.
2: <clears throat> I'll
1: wrap it up and, you know, do the best I can. And what I would do is I'd put the, the cast on and then I'd go work. My wrist would swell up, I'd put ice on it, put the cast back on it, and then go, when on you know next take i'd go do it again and I did that throughout the movie i got sick so i had to go to the hospital for that they gave me a major uh shot of penicillin and at the time i didn't know i was allergic to it so i swelled up and couldn't see so i had to go back to the hospital for that and i went there so many times that they knew me by my first name you know uh i did a show called everybody's all american i doubled john goodman and um had a big fight in that and then uh, i get killed and they they throw me through a glass window it was a dead body they two bad guys pick me up and they just throw me through well i went through the glass window and i felt something on my wrist i go man that that hurts and i'm dead you know waiting for the cut director calls cut i look over and have this squirting blood everywhere so i had a nurse on the set she clamped it down uh, I went to the director. We looked at the, the replay. I told him, I said, okay, we, i got number two if you want to do it. And he goes, no, we're good. So I went to the hospital, and I got 75 stitches in that on top of, uh, I don't know how many more. I had all over my arms because the glass, it's real glass you're going through. It's not fake. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Um, I got beat up so bad by you know, Steven Seagal in a movie that uh, I couldn't talk for a week. Cause it hit me in the throat. Threw me into a, um, a trophy trophy case, yeah. And I just told, you know, I'm I'm going to be smart, so I'm going to take this case out because I know they only have one, so I don't only have to do it once. So I just threw myself as hard as I could into this and totally destroyed it, and so on and so on and so on. I mean, I can't even remember all the stuff that, you know, all the years of pounding and pounding and pounding. But you know, all the years I, I studied judo under a gentleman called Jean LaBelle. Jean LaBelle is a very famous man and a, you know, martial artist. And he, uh, he's, he's the one who taught all his dirty tricks to, to uh, Rousey. That's how famous this guy is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So he's. A, we went there to study judo with him. I think it was about ten, almost eleven years, so we could figure out how to roll on the ground without getting killed. You know, just part of the part of the thing. You have to train like a, you know, like you're an athlete, and that's what we mm-hmm. did. You know, we're always lifting and running and and driving cars and rappelling and high falls and working with fire. You know, going through windows, just on and on and on, in order to train, in order to to get experience at this stuff.
0: At what point in life did you uh, decide, you know, this is this is what's for me. This is what I want to do.
1: Actually, I was working at Osprey Farm. And uh, like I said, there was a bunch of guys that worked there that went on to do major, major stuff in the, you know, in the stump business. Uh, and um, I asked my wife, I go, you know what? I go, this is something I really want to try. I want to see if I can make a living out of it because I think I can do pretty good. <laughs> and I hadn't. So I asked her, I said, what do you think? I go, I won't do it unless you're you're behind me because, it's, you know, I'm married. I have a house. I have uh, – out of all the group, you know, the group that uh, I came into business with, I was the only one that had a, you know, had a small child at the time. So uh, I was the only one that really had, you know, I have responsibilities. You know, a lot of the guys, you know, lived, by, lived in, you know, their trucks and stuff. And they didn't have, need a lot of money. Well, I had to work – full-time and go out and hustle and try to find jobs where eventually I got enough work right and that's all I did. So um, I wanted to try something. You know, you go along in life and you say, I want to do this. I want to see if I can do this. It's a challenge to yourself. I did it. I accomplished what I wanted to do. I have a nice retirement out of it now. And a lot of memories. And, again, like I said, through that one movie I met a bunch of great people and I've been all over the world for it. Um, you know, you you talked about,
0: uh, that you kind of wanted to get in that. I'm going to ask you a strange question that I don't know if you've ever been asked before, but, um, professional wrestlers are a lot of times end up being stuntmen or they're some somehow involved in that. Was that ever something that you had thought about doing?
1: You know, I thought about it, but I wasn't, you know, I always considered myself too small to be that, to do that. Now Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm six 285 pounds. I'm not that now, but I was, you know, I was working, uh, Working stuntman at that size, and I'm really, really strong. I've got a wrestling background, and then, like I said, I studied judo. I worked with uh, the person Gene LaBelle that we worked out with. He he was a pres- professional wrestler and knew everybody. You know, I I I've wrestled around with Roddy, you know, Roddy Piper, uh, you know, several times over the years. Um, a bunch of the wrestlers came in because they they knew Gene really well. And um, that was just something I didn't, you know, I didn't really, I, I didn't want to get into because if I was going to hurt myself, then I wanted to hurt myself, you know, making a good living out of it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't want to start because I was uh, not real old when I started out, but I did you know, I was like 29 or 30 years old when I started to get in the business. So that's a little old when these guys are coming in, they're 18 years old or, you know, they're uh, professional athletes already at 18, so they're. These young guys are crazy there. They're really, really, really good.
0: Can you talk about some of the people you stunt doubled for? I mean, you rattled off the list of names earlier, but some of the big stars and just what they were like to work with. Were they humble? Were they easy I'm to work go with? I'll
1: tell you one who was, you know, John Candy, a famous person, mm-hmm. one of the nicest gentlemen I've ever, you know, come across. Uh, very loyal to his people very hard to get into the group, the inner circle, but once you get in, you're in. Um, did really, you know, he just, he took care of me. I, you know, whatever I needed, he would, he would do for me. And he did that for everybody. You know, he loved people. He didn't like getting, you know, the crowd and everything, but uh, he, he never turned anybody away for an autograph. He never uh, talked to everybody. He uh, just was a little, basically, he was a little shy. But uh, working with him, I got to work with Raymond Burr before he passed away. I got to work with uh, Maureen O'Hara, who I was just, you know, I fell in love with her. And that's old Hollywood. She's a very, very famous actress. Uh, Roddy McDowell, got to, you know, work with him. Um, Just on and on and on, all kinds of different people. Um, Where would you work with Roddy, I mean, rather, uh, McDowell? He came into Chicago. We were doing a a movie called Only the Lonely. Uh Uh-huh. And he came in and he uh, did a couple little scenes and stuff. So, again, like I said, double and John, uh, um, he hated to do things. You know, he hated to walk. He hated to run. So, if anything anything I could do for him that he, you know, we thought we could get away with, and I made a really good double for him from the back. Um, I wore a belly pad because John was a lot bigger than I was, but shoulders, width, you know, and he had really tiny legs. But he. uh he was just really good, I mean, he, the first thing I did for John, I did a movie called Spaceballs, and, um, working on that, and like I said, this is my first job for John Candy, I knew who John Candy was, and, uh, we we're dressed up like, uh, Barf, the, you know, the dog, and he, uh, people that couldn't tell us it kills apart, he really liked that, he liked a good double, and, um, yeah, one of the days I worked was my birthday. I called my wife. I said, you know, come on up here. We're going to, you know, we'll go out to dinner after I finish working. She showed up. My oldest daughter, I think, was five or six at the time. <clears throat> um, I just had my middle daughter. I think she was a couple months old. Walked on the set, and lo and behold, um, oh, there's my memory. Um uh, This is what gets you too many too many head poundings. Uh, <laughs>
2: those
1: concussions they come you know, back. I, you know what? We I've talked about that with my son. I said I don't know how many I've had. You can't keep count of all those over the years. How many? You know how many times you got hit? And, you know, and you had to shake your head loose to get mm-hmm. you know get your focus back. Well, that's a concussion. Mm-hmm. You know, all these little ones add up to you know where you can't you know you can't remember everything. Mel Brooks, there you go. Mel Brooks was there, and he took my daughter. And he took her and put her in the in the Winnebago, and he was talking to her and telling her how beautiful she was and blah, 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 blah. Man, I was just dumbfounded. I didn't know what to do, you know. And then uh, so I had to do a scene. I had to carry all this luggage up a ladder, and it was uh, from uh, the ground or whatever it was to the Winnebago, and I had to carry all this luggage up. I had to stop halfway. I turned to the camera, and I gave the line, and they were just going to insert John in that spot. You know, so I did that. He stopped and he goes, You know what, Bob, good thing you're a because 'cause you're not an actor <laughs> in front of everybody. So you know, and good God, I don't know, you know, I would just just all these stories that you know of stuff like that happening. Um uh, I doubled Paul Servino and I got a call one day. Like I said, I worked all kinds of jobs and did work in the movies and T V but I was I opened a friend of mine do some construction. I got a call I'm in Huntington Beach. He goes, well, I got a call from this guy. Um, how soon can you get to uh, Salt Lake City? And I said, no, I don't know. And he goes, well, there's a plane leaving at 5 o'clock. Well, this is like 11 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm in Huntington Beach. So I called my wife. I said, okay, get my bag ready, da-da-da. I'm coming home. you got to take me to Ontario. I'm going to, I'm going to Salt Lake City. So by the time I got there, I think it was five thirty, six o'clock or 7 o'clock at night or something like that. And Paul Servino sitting in a chair reading a paper you know now I didn't know anybody that was running the show I didn't know the stunt coordinator I didn't know anybody and I come up and said Paul how are you doing and he goes, I go thanks for having me on the show and he goes well I'm glad you're available well the producer comes up and he goes Scott I don't know who you are but he has not moved all day off this chair because he insisted on you being here to be his, to do his stunt work and I go you're kidding and, um, you go, know, well, that's awful flattering. But well, the stunt coordinator come up to me and he goes, well, I don't know who you are. Well, I didn't want you. And I said, well, you know, I am I go, you're the coordinator. Why don't you bring someone in? He goes, he, he wouldn't take anybody but you. And, he, and the coordinator told me, he goes, you better be good. I go, okay. So ended up doing a fight in a laundromat. And we beat the crap out of ourselves back and forth. And I don't know how many times we did it. And at the end of the day, he goes, uh, He goes. I'll remember you. You did a great job. Thank you very much. And, and I told I told Servino, I said, man, don't ever do that again. You'll get me in so much trouble. But I did all kinds of stuff with him, too. We did a TV show. We did a series together. We did movies. You know, crazy. And he, again, a nice guy. All he wanted to do was sing, though. He wanted to you know- sing opera. <laughs> You,
0: you talked about something there that I think kind of rings back to our interview with Ted White, and and Ted kind of talked about his uh, relationship with Clark, Clark Gable, and there was—he he never said it this way, but there was a certain amount of trust there. Right. And I'm I'm curious—is that like a, a big thing? You know, with the guys that you frequently stunt double, like well, Derby you know, though?
1: it is—you they have to trust you. You you have to make them look good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why you're your, when you go and you and you. Get that you know get that job and now you're looking at you are looking at how a person walks you got you're looking at their mannerisms and all that because you can't go in and be like really athletic in how you do something and this the the actor is a slouch, you know so you have to mimic him until like until that certain point where you go into a wall or you get hit by a car or you're whatever whatever and um uh, so they, you know, they have to trust you. And as far as Candy was concerned, you know, my wife and I would go out to his house for parties. They would have, you know, all those people from uh, SCTV would be there, you know, Murray Brothers, the Bellucci Brothers, and so on and so forth. All these people, you know, the you know Harold Ramis, and, and so on and so on and so on, who had turned out to be some very famous, and you know, movie people. And... Nothing, you know, that he was said was ever repeated, nothing that he did, you know, that I knew about. I never told anybody. Uh, everything was, uh, you know, very confidential. And, you know, people would ask me about him, and I had nothing to say. That's trust. So they know that, you know, if you're around them, that you're not going to go blab anything or say anything or do anything to make them look bad.
0: Absolutely. You know, um, but, uh,
1: you know. I was going to say, you
0: know, you know, working with those guys, I assume you ended up in, in – and you talked about the, the people that were around. I guess you were kind of let into their inner circle there, which is a huge thing of trust there.
1: Right, exactly. And that's – you know, and that's – that doesn't happen very much anymore. That's old Hollywood style, you know, where they would bring uh, – like Candy would have his – he had the same makeup guy. He had the same hairdresser. He had the same wardrobe guy. Um he had me. I think I did five or six different movies for him, you know. And then there was a couple times I was in his contract where they had to take me, which was kind of neat. That's that's what you work for. But uh, <clears throat> to uh, to do that, you know, and just the after hour stuff, you know, hanging with them, making sure nobody did anything, you know, nobody got any bad pictures of him. I blocked. I don't know how many times I was blocking pictures. You know like a paparazzi type of stuff where I'd block walk in front of John where you know they wouldn't take a picture of him and you know and stuff like that mm. and he he liked that, and that was uh something that he really liked and you know I went to uh, we went to washington d c one time and I got to take care of his kids for him and watch them Oh, well, that's that's a lot of trust for somebody to do that, so yeah it was really unique. Uh, really unique experience, very sad when he passed away. Uh, went to his funeral and all that. Uh, there's only two times in, that anybody can remember the 405 freeway in, in L.A. is one of the busiest in the world, and they've only shut it down twice. One was for uh, Ronald Reagan, and the second time was for John Candy. So that's uh, that's how he was to remember it. So that was a, just really unique. Uh, John Goodman, nice guy, very quiet, but just a nice guy, you know, couldn't do anything wrong. He was just really, just really appreciative, you know, made him look good. He appreciated that really, really well. Paul Servino, Paul Servino was into himself and stuff, but, you know, he really appreciated what I did too. So that was really, that's really neat to take away from all that. Um, I played myself a lot. I got killed or beat up in everything I did, you know. Is that a weird
0: thing, just being being the guy that's really good at getting your ass kicked or getting killed? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I,
1: I talk to my grandkids. I said, "Look, there's Grandpa getting killed." Oh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. That's what's funny. Yeah, you know, my kids they they were kind of taken back by it. You know, uh, they knew who John Candy was. They knew who Dan Aykroyd was. You know, uh, I'm. We were doing a show, um, I think it was, what was it, Nothing But Trouble or something. Dan Arkford was in it, and they were coming out of the dressing room, and, and uh, uh, John walked by, and then my son, I was standing there, you know, talking to my son, and then Dan Arkford walked by, and he goes, oh, Dad, look, that's a Ghostbuster. And uh, John Candy goes, well, who am I? He goes, well, you're Mr. Candy. He's a Ghostbuster, you know. that's a, I'll never forget that as long as I live. You know, that's the kind of stuff that nobody knows about it, but it happened. You know, my wife was there, and and, uh, here's another story that uh, I'll never live down, this one down. Uh, Doing that movie again, uh, John played two parts. He was a a brother and a sister in this movie, and the sister decided they were going to get married. She was going to marry Chevy Chase. So they thought it would be funny. Well, we're going to bring Bob in. I got measured for a dress. I had a wig. I got makeup. I had the whole nine yards completely transformed into John was in a wedding dress. I was in a bridesmaid. So I called my wife again. I said, man, you got to come down to Universal. you got to see this. You're not going to believe it. So she tells the story of, you know, go walking down the street and turns and alone. And behold, there's a big, ugly woman comes walking down. Well, that was me. So I'm calling my son, and he didn't know who it was. You know, and we had explained to him that we were playing Halloween. Well, I have a picture, one of a kind. It was myself and John Candy dressed up as women, my three kids standing in front of us with the bridal bouquet and the bridesmaid bouquet and the weirdest look on my son's face. He's only, I think, three or four years old. but You know, that's something that, you know, you never forget that as long as you live.
0: Um, Tell me you have that framed somewhere. I have it
1: framed. Oh, yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh to uh you talked about how you're retired now, so what was your last film? Well the last thing I really worked on, I've done a couple of little things after that was uh Pirates of the Caribbean Part Three. That's what I thought.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: So I'm you know uh after that, you know, I mean things are just starting hurting too much. Um uh, it was just, you know I've got calls to go do stuff and and and, and if I can't physically do it i'm not going to because i just embarrass myself and i'm not going to do that you know there's a time when you have to you know make a decision and i did and uh i'm not i'm happy about it you know
0: yeah absolutely um so you know looking back on your career can you kind of i guess rank things as far as you know uh Kind of the the biggest things that you've done, and, and the things that you're always going to look back on the most fondly, uh, and uh, hopefully Texas
1: Chainsaw too. Right, you know what? I, 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 somewhere gonna, in there. I'm going to be very honest with you. That thing has just got me more, more fame and cl- claim than anything else I've done. Uh, you know, all my all the movies I did for John Candy were very memorable, and uh, you know, those were uh, very unique experiences. Uh, all my work that I've done in the movie business has been, uh, you know. It's just something that I can say that I did something I accomplished that nobody else did. I did it. And I'm very proud of my work. Um, My family's proud of it. Uh, You know, so that's one of the big things.
0: Let me just say, you know, I I think Texas chainsaw fans as a whole love Gunnar Hansen and the role of Leatherface as Well, they should, uh, but I think, despite the departure from you know the very serious although if you look back at the first one there are the moments of comedy there you just have to really look harder um, <laughs> to the very serious straight horror film to the dark comedy and the aspects that you added to it you know i think there i think despite the differences uh, when people uh kind of take the time to really reflect on it I, I think most people really view your role in the texas chainsaw series as especially, you know, the one that you played in uh, very favorably. So I think I speak for uh, most fans when I say, you know, like, we really appreciate what you did with the movie, and I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and and talk about that movie. I'm sure you've had to talk about it many, many times before, but we still appreciate the time that you give us.
1: Well, you know, this is enjoyable for me. I want to get, you know, I want people to know what happened. Uh, I didn't hear anything, you know, I didn't know anything about anything, you know, for 25 years. And I get a call from some guy, and he said, "Hey, did you work in this movie?" And I go, "Yeah." Why? Well, what did you do with it? I said, "Well, I did everything in it." And I sit there, and I, you know, I broke it all down. And he goes, "Okay, great. People want to see you." And you know, and I met some really, 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 some great people. Uh, you know, I've got people. Uh, I go on Facebook, and I got the Germans. Or if I go on early in the morning, they're just going to bed. So I, I talk with them. I've Got some great people over there. Very, very appreciative and very, you know, they're really in horror. They love it. So they're really, you know, they're so cool. And, uh, you know, and that's just, it's just exciting for me. You know, I want to tell the story. I don't care, you know, how many times i got to do it. Um, it's all true. I don't bullshit anybody. Uh, I can break this movie down. I can show you exactly what I did and exactly what Bill did. And, and everybody can decide for themselves. Um But it's like I told him, I said, you got credited for it, yeah, but I made all the money. So that's what what it
4: is.
1: (laughs) Well, Vic and I were talking off air, and let me just tell you, and
0: I'll tell you this while you're on the air, is that uh, we really have like a ton of respect for the stuntmen, not just because of what you all do, Mm -hmm. but from the aspect you guys come from, it's almost like talking to a soldier, I mean, you guys have been through the shit it's oh. you know it's nice to talk to somebody that we really respect that put themselves through it. It's one thing to be an actor and go through whatever hours and things they do, but there's just no comparison there. That's my
1: personal opinion, right hopefully those in the film well industry you know it's agree. hard to it's hard to describe to people that you know yes, there's long hours on a movie set, you know, and I'm telling you, I have more respect for actors than anything. I I you know I wish I could do it, I can't, but I do respect them the ones that are good at it, yeah. You know, to, to do that. And um, you know, but you're you're on a movie set from, you know, five o'clock in the morning to two o'clock at night and then it's like, okay, now let's go do that fight. You know, and you've been sitting around all day rehearsing here and there, here and there, and here and there, and now all of a sudden you gotta you gotta bring hundred and ten percent, you know, on the spur of the second. You know, or the sun's coming up, we gotta get it right now, we're gonna lose the light. You know the lights coming. We got to do it right now, right this second. Boom, and you got to do it. and You got to perform. You know that's what you're getting paid for. So I do have respect for stuntmen. There's been, you know, um, I've done a few things. There's guys that have done a million more things, and you know, there's guys you know that, that've lost their lives. There's guys that are beat up beyond compare. Um, uh, there's a big thing going on. You know Debbie Evans, who I you know I met her. Almost thirty years ago, and then her husband Lane Levitt, who are very famous stunt people, and she is one of the best stunt women in the you know in the world today, and she has beat herself to death, but she is you know she put it out there because that's what she does, and that's what you do as a stunt person, you can put it out if you can't put it out, then don't do it.
0: You know the last thoughts here uh we talked on about the concussions and things of that mm-hmm. nature. Uh, Concussions are a hot-button topic right now, and you know people talk about football. Hell, people talk about wrestling, but people don't talk about stunt work—at least not in the general public or in the general mm-hmm. media. I mean, do you know people that have had major concussion issues because of stunt work? You that, know what? You know,
1: it's hard to say. You know, like you know, it, I'm just going to go back on on my experiences as you know as a kid playing football. I played you know high school football. I went on to college and played college football. Uh, went on from there and played semi pro football, you know, 35 bucks a game. And then I got into um, working at an Osprey farm. Well, an Osprey farm is asphalt, wooden buildings, and asphalt. And that's what you hit every day, eight hours a day, for years and years and years. So this accumulation had to be, you know, it has had to have happened I don't, who knows how many times in my own, you know, my own experience. So I don't know, but you know, I think I'm kidding when I say that. Sometimes I can't, I can't remember. It takes me a little bit to to get to it. That's probably from all that stuff. You know, I'm still pretty good in the brain, but you know, there are times when uh, I I know what it is, but it just doesn't come to me as quick as I you know it should. And that's just you know, and that's an athlete. You know, like football players, wrestlers. Are you kidding me? People think, well, this is all fake. Well, it's not fake when you fall down. Mm-hmm. You know, when they hit you, you get hit. When you take a I fall, can tell you, you know, I mean... I, I I've been points. through the training. That ring oh. hurts. Yeah. Hurts bad. You know, and there are guys doing it. The, the, the good rings are the ones that give and have a little bounce to it so it doesn't hurt as much. But anytime you hit your head on anything, on any amount of force, it's a concussion. It Maybe very little, but, you know, once you shake your brain up, that's a concussion. So you can go on and on and on, and you can talk about all you want to. You know, Junior Seau, you know, the perfect example. But he played football since he was a little kid until he was 40 years old. Well, that's a lot of years of getting hit in the head. And these are major blows. This is not the minor stuff. But, you know, how many times did, you know, I don't. I can't remember how many times I got thrown into a, a wall at Knott's Ray Farm where it rung my bell, you know, Uh I remember doing a show on a TV show where I hit my, I threw myself into a wall, and it was a facade, and it broke, it broke away, and it dinged me so bad, man, I had to have somebody help me up. Went back, they put it together and did it again. So those are the accumulations that, you know, that people don't hear about. But if you're, you know, you can look on in the, in, in the stunt community, and you call any of these guys up and say, yeah, well, I have hit my head a few times. Yeah, it's been, a, yeah, it's there.
0: I think it's just something that people don't think about with stunt work, but no. it's, maybe that's something they need, do need to think about is the fact that you guys take a pounding just as bad as NFLers and, and all these other professions. So, no, I again, I respect the hell out of what you guys do. And, a, again, I wanted to thank you one more time for coming on and being candid with us and just – I had a great time. I really, I well, really appreciate it. Well, thank really you so much,
1: You know, and if you need to do this again, you let me know I would, uh, in a heartbeat – I'll Bye I can do another hour anytime, you anywhere.
0: We'll make whatever that happen you want to do. Sure. Whatever you
1: want to do, you let me know. Uh, let's get some people on and take some questions, or whatever you want to do.
0: You got or, it. You, know, you get got somebody
1: to you know great. write in, write in some questions, or you know throw them at me, and and I'll try to get on. You know, I love getting on on uh, these discussions in some of these groups on Facebook, and I raise all kinds of help.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> no, well, that's so, what I like to hear. That's what I
1: like to hear. We can definitely do that. Yeah, let's set so, that you up know, for a few months from now. We'll, hey, we'll hook it whatever up. whatever you want. For a new year, maybe. You let me know, and I'm right there, bud. All right, Bob. You're Thank the man. Thank you so you much, and, and I really yourself, appreciate okay. it, and I love what you're doing. You guys keep it up, and when you get rich and famous, you know, you send me a T-shirt or something. <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll send you two. You All deserve right. at least that. <laughs> All right. Take care, buddy. All right. Bye. Later on. And, everybody, that was Bob Elmore, the... Leatherface from Part Two. Don't let anybody
3: bullshit you,
0: right, Vic? It's sir. Uh, he is.
3: Uh, I mean, if
0: I like to say the one and only. Dude, let me just say, over the last hour, he was awesome. Sorry for the few minutes that I was off the air with him, although I blame Vic for all that. So, but it was fun. I was talking to him before we went on, and he was telling me, you know, basically, Bill Johnson didn't do shit. And I, you know what? I guess that's <laughs> absolutely right.
3: Hey man, how uh, are uh, hey, hello.
0: What's hello. This? Can you hear me? Hey, or... Is this
3: Jeff? It is Jeff.
0: All right, Jeff Burr is online, the director and the madman behind director uh, behind Leatherface, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three. I guess this is uh, part two of our kind of retrospective with you. How's everything going? It's
1: going good. How about
4: you?
0: How are you guys? We're doing really well. It, it's been a, a fun month. You know, we kind of took August as our uh, Texas Chainsaw Retrospective, we we worked for months on Friday the 13th, we figured what better time than August to talk about Texas Chainsaw, and Jeff, you know, I actually went back and I listened to our interview, and one of the things that I didn't get into with you uh, about Part 3, and I, I got into with Bob Elmore about Part 2 just now, and of course I got into with the people from the first one was um, the heat surrounding the filming,
4: I don't know how bad it was for you all, can you kind of talk about the conditions on Part 3? Oh, like, like the physical conditions? Uh, it, no, it was not because because it, it was the only Chainsaw Massacre movie I think, maybe even to date, that was well, no, because I guess they shot the three D one in Louisiana, but um, it was it was Texas Chainsaw Three was shot in California, so you don't have the humidity and, and the intense heat that you in the summer that, that you would have if you had shot in Texas. So so the, the grueling part of it was, uh, you know, like mostly night shoots, you know, I think we had a week of day, uh, basically like a week of day and four weeks of night. And so when you, when you're, when you're shooting that much at night, everyone's schedule gets turned around and, and their bio rhythms are all fucked up and so so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a very surreal experience it becomes a very surreal experience but but in, ter- but in terms of i would never want to compare the physical conditions of that shoot to anything that the, the uh, original guys went through because that that's, that was the the amazing you know guerrilla shoot and and uh the 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 physical conditions really inform the movie uh on that and, and and this was much more of a you know, uh, quote, unquote, professional shoot, you know, corporate yeah, yeah. shoot, you know, you know even uh, more than the second, the second one, I guess, on some level was, too, but but uh, this one was, you know, run by a, you know, well-oiled company, and, and you were right in their backyard, you know, you were right in Los Angeles, a little, you know, a little north of Los Angeles, so, so they could always check up on you, and, and, and at least in the second one, even though that was more of a, a professional shoot, you were still, you know, fifteen hundred miles away from the Canon headquarters, you know. So, so, so you could you could get away with more stuff, and plus, you know, it's Toby Hooper, so nobody's going to direct a, a, a the first Chainsaw Massacre sequel if 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 it's not Toby, you know. Oh, so yeah. he had a little more, you know, a, a lot more. Uh, control and power, you know, they couldn't do, quote-unquote, they couldn't do it without him, you know, where they could, believe me, they could do Leatherface, Texas Chains of 3 without Jeff Burr.
0: Well, you know, that was actually something we talked about last time is that, you know, they had kind of gone through a few directors that they had maybe wanted before you, and then they kind of, you know, went with Jeff Burr, but... um, did you ever get any kind of stories or anything about you know Toby Hooper's feelings on it have you ever talked to Toby Hooper about okay well, I mean, that
4: i i did, well here, i was prevented could be because the, the, the weird thing was i the, my previous movie was a sequel to a, a fairly famous cult movie at the time nowhere near as popular as, as, as the chainsaw but but uh, the, the stepfather which was it was a critical Darling, and, and it was a well-regarded movie, and and I thought, just as a director, my as a filmmaker, my first instinct was when I got that job was, well, I've got to call Joe Rubin because he's the progenitor of the uh, of, of the movie, you know, along with uh, David Lowry and, and uh, Brian Garfield and the people that wrote it. Uh, I, I feel an obligation to call him and say, hey, I'm doing the sequel, and not that you want his blessing, but you want to at least let him know it's happening, you know. And I felt the same obligation, obviously, to to Toby Hooper because I was a huge fan of of Toby's, and uh, you know, I admired his work. And 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 that was one of the first things they said to me was that uh, you cannot try to contact Toby Hooper because it's part of the contract now is uh, that you will that no one from the production will contact him and. So, so like I was like legally obligated not to talk to him, which which I don't know how true that was in in, in real life in terms of the, the nuts and bolts of the contract, but that's what that, that's what I was told, and it was such a quick uh, prep for me that that that's what happened. So, um, it was about six months later, maybe I met I finally met Toby Hooper. Uh, and had breakfast with him, actually, uh, somewhere around like February, March of 1990. And and I don't know how that happened. I, I forget how that happened, but it was great. And, and the, the first thing he said to me well, you know, when we sat down was like, well, Jeff, I, I can't tell you how, how uh, strange an experience it was to go to uh, Leatherface at the Chinese Theater uh, opening weekend and watch that movie. And I go, Toby, it was pretty strange for me, too, believe me, uh, after what happened. So so I, I, I did talk to him, and it was great, and uh, I, I, I love the guy. I still do, and, and I'm a big fan of his. And I've, I've met him several times since. We actually did a film festival together uh, in 2005, and um, I, I love him. But, but it, I, I suspect he never said it. And I never asked, but but I think it was you know the fact he didn't talk about it was uh, telling. Uh, I suspect he hated the movie, and 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 I can understand why. I mean, for so many reasons, you know, because cause it really it's it's much more of a it's kind of a <clears throat> It kind of falls between the, those two poles. You know, it, it, it's not as outrageous as the first in, in terms of the the horror and situation and and the you don't know anybody in the movie. And and the second one is kind of a, an uh, an out and out satire on eighties values and and, and 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 some visceral stuff too. So this one kind of it could never be as distinctive because it was the third one. It could never be as distinctive as the first one or the second one. They're they're really distinctive animals, and the third one kind of falls in between those poles. So does that, that that make that I don't mean to say it's not there's not good things in it or it's interesting to watch. It's just on a personality level, given one, two, three, those first three movies, it ha- it has less personality, I think, less distinct distinctive personality than um, than, than the first two. It, by and that's just by by what it was, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I actually watched the movie again two days ago, and I was struck by something about the movie. Now, the day scenes looked very much like, uh, especially like the original. It looked very dry, very dusty, very hot and uh the night scenes almost seems swampy. was that intentional, or was that something that just came off later in the post production because it, it seemed almost like a a swampland louisiana type area the house
4: really yeah that, that has everything to do with where we shot it and uh and how we lit it too. I kind of wanted a kind of a fairy tale quality to it and and uh um kind of golden light for the house and the and, and uh you know kind of distinctive blue for the uh not exterior and and and, it, and the design of it, the it, it, the body pit and everything. Definitely wanted it to be like a you know like a you know I mean Texas is bordered by Louisiana, so you know it, it's 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 a it definitely is a, a you know kind of a swampy feel and and uh, you know we had uh, you know we didn't have uh, Spanish moth necessarily hanging off everything, but but it was I, I kind of wanted that feel, just that kind of fairy tale forest feel. Um, it, not 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 uh, European forest. But but just uh, you know, kind of you know, way East Texas, uh, Louisiana, kind of kind of uh, thicket, you know. But but and, and and how successful we were that because as I say, like it, the ideas I had had to be implemented so quickly, and they had to be approved by a hundred different people. But but the the ideas I had, I mean, there was such a short pre-production that it was you know it was like if they didn't if they if it wasn't approved at first blush if i by by me saying it first then it would never be in the movie because it just it just it was so quick you know just just the my my uh my my tenure on the movie was was basically like two and a half weeks of prep and then a like a five week shoot five six week shoot like thirty day shoot basically and and then um about a two month post and and so it was very very quick all the way around. So there wasn't a lot of time to there wasn't a lot of time to debate, but they did. So 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 it, it, I think it would be a better movie if they just let me, okay, we're we're slotting this guy in here and just let him go. As long as I stayed under the budget, that would have, that would have been more meaningful I think to the movie uh than the more corporate thing, because because one thing, if you have eight weeks of prep, and then you can then you have a little time to debate and this whatever, but when you when it's so quick, um, you, you you've got to accept you've got to accept or uh, you know go forward. Uh, you don't have a choice. So 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 the the line producer of the movie. I'm not saying I'm not saying he was a bad guy or anything like that. It's just, it's just I don't I don't think he was the I think I, this is going sound egotistical, but I think I was a pretty good choice to direct the movie. I think he was not a great choice to line breeze the movie, given our, our respective backgrounds.
0: I think that's probably true of a lot of movies like this.
4: And again, you know,
0: uh, we're putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes. But I mean, how many times did somebody just get stuck with a production job on, on a slasher or something like that, and they're just like, "This is a piece of crap," and I don't care about it. We're just yeah, trying so, to trim the budget. And that,
4: and that that wasn't his attitude per se, but 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 his background was in much higher budget stuff. It was it was it, his background was like in television, TV movies. And doing stuff for the director Herbert Ross, and it's like that's so far away from independent, you know, low budget grindhouse filmmaking. Just just in, in in terms of mindset, you know, it's like like you don't need this particular thing to do that particular shot. You know, you, you, you've got to just improvise and stuff. And he wasn't he wasn't really that that kind of guy, you know, and and. Uh, so, so and I'm not, and and that's nothing against him it's just it's just it's just who he was you know and and and, it, and it, he certainly didn't have any um uh, affection for the genre but opposite side of the coin uh, Mike DeLuca did and and he was he was he was the guy kind of responsible for put placing the movie at New Line he was kind of Bob Shay's protege and um this was the first movie he really shepherded and um and I think he was Stressed out uh, because of how it had gone before I even came on, you know. So, 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 I think we had a lot in common, but we didn't really hit it off uh, because he was already in a mindset of being pissed off about the whole project. And, um, but, but he was a, he was a guy who loved the genre and, and had a lot of good ideas. And and Mark Redesky, uh his assistant, kind of or his uh, kind of his uh, right hand man. Um, was the same way he had he had affection for the genre and um, and understood stuff and 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 the line producer really he really didn't he, he didn't he didn't understand stuff he didn't and, and he had a an a, a, a guy that was helping him um, named Murray Schwartz who had a background in hello he, he was like a assistant production manager on Hello Dolly and. It uh, just big studio stuff, and it's like the wrong, just the wrong guys for for just to produce this movie to to physically produce the movie, um, and and and, and as I've said before, so I, I'm not laying the blame. There's no blame to be laid. It's it, it, it's a movie. We did the best we could, etc. So so there's no, I don't think there's any blame for, for anything. But but it 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 would it, if, if if we could have made the movie in a different way, you know, shooting in Texas. Yeah, you know, and, and and you know, possibly even in sixteen, it it could have been a more interesting movie, you in know, in the long run. But I think there's, I still think there's some interesting stuff in it, and and and, and it's hampered partly. On, I, I think I brought a lot to it, but I certainly you know made mistakes too. So I, so I would never blame, you know, I would never lay the blame on anything at the doorstep of anybody. It's, it's ultimately. You know, I was an inexperienced director, but but I still knew what the fuck I was doing. But I was inexperienced to how to communicate, you know, with with crews and 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 uh, and, and it, not even with crews. It, really navigating the 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 political aspect of making a movie for a big for a, a, a relatively big company, and and I, I was totally. Uh, naive and uh, ill-equipped at that time for that, because this, you have to remember, this was the first, is my third movie, as a, a feature film, third feature, and it was the first movie I'd done that my brother didn't produce. So, there was no um, friendly face there, if you will, on, on the production end. And, and, so, so, it, it obviously taught me a lot just, there was a, a studio politics and stuff, and so it was a i i don't mean to say it at all it was a horrible experience because i made it a horrible experience i think with um with just just the agony of, of doing it i mean but but and that was just the naivete more than reality because because what went down on that movie goes down on almost every movie that you do that you get hired to do just as a director you know and and but you still have to fight for everything you believe in and i think that that's always going to be my uh my mindset is, is you have to make the movie you have in your head and that's what and that's what the, that's what you think they hire you for and that's not often the case and that's not necessarily the case and and i was too naive to understand that was the case then you know i thought they hired me for what i could bring to it and in reality they hired me because they desperately needed a bondable director that would agree to do the movie, and they were running out of time because they had a release date in November that they had to meet. And and back back then it was you know we it was basically all the post was on film, so there was a certain amount of time that it took. Even you know if, if you wanted to stay on budget, there was there was the time that it took, unless you wanted to hire two two different crews and have a 24-hour day editing room. Um, there was a the time that, that it took to do stuff, and uh, so 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 that's why they needed they needed to start shooting when they did, and uh, to make that release date. And um, so so anyway, so long, long story short, it was a a huge political learning experience for me. But but the irony not irony but but the, the sad fact was for me that that was that was and it still remains the biggest movie I ever did. And um, so it wasn't like I took those lessons and could apply them to 20th Century Fox to do, uh, you know, an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie or something, you know, but, 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 but but that said, I mean, I, I, there's, there's stuff in there. I'm very, I'm very proud of. I'm not bitter about the movie at all. And I'm not, and 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 it's, the the real problem with the movie forget the pre-production and and how it how it went down in terms of hiring me and at the last minute and stuff the real problem with the movie came much later in the post with the, the ratings the ratings board and, and and before we got to the ratings board with the foreign uh the head of foreign for New Line who saw the movie for the first time and after you know at, at a test screening and just went ballistic because he thought it would be banned in all most of the countries that it, that he was selling it to. And and in fact it was. You know, it was banned And but 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 the but the, the first two movies were banned in many countries too, so it's not like it was a huge it shouldn't have been a huge surprise. Yeah, it was very odd that they're
0: surprised by that. You know, despite the fact that it's like you know we've been down this road twice already, and and I, I don't yeah, and
4: know. I, and I didn't even and I didn't even know it. I mean, I didn't I didn't know that the first two Chainsaw Massacres were outright banned in England, for example. I mean, I mean, I you know I knew England had video Nazis and blah blah blah, but 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 the the first and second uh, Chainsaw movies. And of course, the third one too were outright banned in. England. It was illegal, literally illegal, to show them in England, and that's a huge territory, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, so, so it's like, why should that be a surprise? Then, yeah, it, it, the the third movie you do uh, that is done. Why would? It, why should that be a big surprise that it's banned in England? You know what I mean? I mean, if the first two were banned, well, why would you expect the third one wouldn't be? So, so, so yeah, so that that was really the big. Uh, my big sadness of it, because if it I, and I really believe if it had come out in November, November third, which was the re- release date, uh, that it would have done a little better, just because you know, because um, it, it was it was basically dumped in January, um, because because they they missed that release date because of the MPAA, we couldn't get a rating. So so basically they just released it the first time they could after it was after they got the rating and everything and, and it you know, post Christmas. So it was I think it was January the weekend of January twelfth I think. And and it was it just dumped. I mean they didn't promote it at all and um and they couldn't release an unrated version just uh contractually because the video distributor it was it was part of the deal that, that they would not uh release an N C seventeen movie. So, so, so it was kind of a the, the release part of it, the the, the end of the post production and the release. That that was the real frustration for me. So putting away, uh, putting all the other stuff aside that
0: we've talked about this time and the last time, you know, all the obstacles that you try had to try to overcome. How about just the fact that it's the third entry in a pretty successful series, a pretty popular series among horror fans? You know, the first was a classic. Part two, it took a while to get its legs, but. You know, you're you're heading into part three, and you know part two is kind of being ignored because they went a different route. Uh, how much pressure, w- without all the studio stuff and all the other things, we'll just put that aside on its own. Just being the guy to have to direct Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three. How do you feel going into something like that?
4: I mean, I mean in retrospect, you, you you think, oh, I would have thought that or whatever, or thought something. I, I didn't think anything of it. In in the sense of it, I didn't think, oh my gosh, I've got this big responsibility on my shoulders, whatever. I just said, okay, it, it was so quick. What, you know, once you decided to do it, and and it, the, the 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 mechanism, you you just had to go. So so you had no time to think, in ter- in terms of those kind of thoughts those contemplative. Uh, hmm, I wonder what I really I did I did think I I, I maybe you know, smiled that, that I had first seen this movie. The first time I saw the movie was, it was at, at uh, college at a midnight show when I first got to college in California from Georgia. I never, for whatever reason, I never saw it in Georgia. I mean, I'm sure it played somewhere here near, near where I grew up, but, but I never saw it. And, uh, so, so, so it was, it was, so seeing it at that midnight screening and there was like, you know, people yelling and it was, it was, and it was 16 millimeter, um, and just reflecting on that, and now I'm now not that many years later, I'm directing the, you know, third movie. That was it was kind of it was kind of cool. Not that it wasn't like oh gee I've made it in Hollywood now, but it was it was kind of it was just kind of funny. But but in terms of of really thinking about it, I mean I didn't have time. I mean there was no that 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 would have been in the decision weighing process of should I do this movie or not. And uh, and I really it was so quick that I really it, it fit there was very little contemplation it was really it was action and boom go so um, it was only in retrospect that 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 I would take that you know but um, but 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 the but the the only thing I can tell you is I had huge respect for the first movie. I mean i think it's a i mean it's, it, i mean still to this day it's a an, it's, it's an absolutely amazing movie it's a seminal american independent movie, and the second movie made a big impression on me I, I can't say I was a huge fan when I first saw it, but I, I was an absolute fan of Caroline Williams from mm-hmm. that movie uh absolute fan of hers um even even if i i didn't like the movie i i she stuck in my mind. But I, it's, it's a movie I did revisit, and and several times I, I revisited it, and it and it grew on me each time. So so that movie I think is, is is got got a got a raw deal on many levels, you know, in the making of it and all that. But but um, that has grown into a for whatever reason I I, I can't explain why, but. It's it's a more interesting movie now to me than it was then, and, and, you and I, I agree on that too. And I, and I don't I don't know why. I mean, I mean it's the '80s nostalgia thing, or a, I don't know that's part of it probably. But it, 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 there's a lot of good things in the movie that, and and and, and you got to respect that they didn't try to just do a half-assed remake of the first movie. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as a cash grab sequel, ten years later, or you know, more than ten years later. So, so you got to respect that at least they, that Toby went in and 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 you know, that went in and and just basically decided to do something completely different in in that universe. It's, it's as crazy as the first movie, but it's crazy in a in a in a much different way.
0: Um. Can you talk about the, you know, you talk about movies to get a raw deal. I personally, and this is just me, I feel like a lot of fans, not all, obviously, because the feedback has gotten more positive over the years. I think a lot of fans give Texas Chainsaw 3 a raw deal. Um, oh, I,
4: t- I totally agree with that. I mean, because I i remember going to a, the, a Fangoria convention. They invited me to a Fangoria convention in 90, and it was right around, it was like maybe a week after the movie opened. And and no one, I mean, not, to this day, no one really knows who I am. I mean, I'm not like a, oh, that's Jeff Burrow, you know, um, visually, you know. So 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 I was just like hanging out there and just listening to people, and I can't tell you how many conversations I overheard of, oh man, that movie sucked. Uh, oh, there was no gore, and they cut away, and uh, and, uh. and <laughs> I was dying inside a little death every time, <laughs> but but but. but you know, later later years and stuff. I, you know, people have contacted me, and uh, you hear stuff. And and it definitely, and, and I think that movie has, and maybe it's again eighty eighties, late eighties nostalgia or something. But but there it, there was one review that I read was something, or some some guy on the internet wrote or something like, it, it's like this movie or this series is tough, like like old boots, and and and, and, and it's true. It, it, it's like it's like they're durable and. And you rewatch them, and and they get better, you know, like like they're comfortable boots to wear, you know, or something. I don't, I don't know, but it's it's definitely the movie now is regarded a hundred times better than it was twenty years ago, twenty five years ago. Uh, like, and that's that's to me that's wonderful. I mean, just just the fact that I mean, IFC that channel plays it all the time, and that's just grat is just very gratifying to me. Just just any movie that you did 25 years ago that's being played at all, you know, I, that that's a miracle. And so, so the fact that anyone wants to, and you get the fact that you want to talk about the movie, that that's a miracle. It, it, it's a 25 year old movie. And it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a you know, considered kind of the weak sister. or at least the first weak sister in, in the series, uh, you know, of this family and, and, uh, but it's grown. It's I think it's grown in estimation, and and you know, for a, I'm sure for a lot of reasons because you know people go, oh, there's Viggo say, Oh my gosh, I didn't know he was in this movie. And and the, but I think one of the reasons the film does have some kind of entertainment value now because it's a it's a tame even at its at its bloodiest back then it would be considered a tame movie now. Um. So so take I'll take the gore and that kind of crap away from it. Uh, from the discussion I think it's the cast and the interaction of the cast that that, that makes the movie fun to watch and uh, if it is fun to watch for people and Tom Everett and R.A. as Leatherface Kate Hodge as the lead uh, Bill Butler Ken Foray Vigo It's it's got it's got a somewhat of a cachet of this cast and, and, and their their commitment to it and their just out and out fun, um, that's, that's what makes a movie entertaining to watch now. That's, that's why. You know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. A motorcycle just rode by, and it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my oh, life.
4: I, I, I thought I was getting a hook right there, man. I was getting a no. digital hook.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it. We just turn on a motorcycle. Or we turn on <laughs> a <team laughs> okay, songs that's ears.
4: enough of Jeff for her. <laughs> on to the next.
0: Right it's too controversial, even for us now uh <laughs> you know uh something that I do want to talk about is uh you know like the future of Texas Teen Fall Massacre part three. We don't have it on blu ray yet. Have you been contacted by any i have, about I have, a future I have release? That, that i i I would love
4: to uh, just because that's the that's probably the last gasp of of phys, of pure physical media uh so I would love for it to be. As a an old school uh, media guy, I would love for it to be on Blu-ray as, as the last you know the last iteration of, of, of physical media for it. For it. Uh, I, I, I you know it's, it's Warner Brothers, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I I would imagine you would think it would be because just because it's part of the series and you know you think there'd be a box set at some point. Of, but, but the problem is that, that there are so many of, of the uh, entities are owned by different people i mean the, the legal uh, stuff uh, uh, that that's a book uh, that's an encyclopedia um that you could write about the, the legal issues with all these movies you know because they went through so much crap on the first movie and and there's different ownership for each movie and and um, for at least the first four I think are owned by different people. And so, so I don't know a box set would would be more problematic. Usually a box set, it's the same company that made all five sequels, six sequels, whatever. And, and with this one, it's not, you know, it's, it's split up for some of the rights. So, um, so, so I think that, that, that might uh, prevent something from happening. Cause that, that would be, if you were doing a box set of, of chainsaw movies, that would be a packaging thing, and, and, and you know the studio get behind it, marketing, et cetera. A single movie, it, those are harder, I think. To to, you know, it, I think I think if if they would sub license it, I mean, I mean certainly Screen Factory would put it out. Um, you know, the, the Twilight, a whole bunch of, of companies probably would put it, would want to put it out, but I don't, I don't think they're willing to license it to anyone. You know, they they would rather sit on it then license it to someone and have it be uh you know, a hit, you know, on, mm. on Blu-ray. So, so, you know, I mean, I mean, the only thing, you know, I would love any listener to just to, to write into, you know, Warner Brothers or, you know, whatever, Time Warner, or whatever, and, and just say, Hey, we love a blue, we love a Blu-ray of uh, Leatherface. And there, there are a lot of reasons to do it, you know, um, because of the cast. I mean, you you know, slap Beagle Mortensen's name all over it and, you know, and, and, um, uh but 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 i get, i've never been con- i haven't been contacted i was very happy they did the d v d you know ten years ago so um yeah i think it was around ten years ago so so um at least there at least there was a half assed special edition uh on d v d but but, uh, but but you know again long answer to a short question yes i would love to see it on on blu ray and but i've never been contacted well but, but, um, but you yeah, know, it'd be great
0: I was going to say, let me steer this the way I was heading anyway, which is funny, because let me just say, all you Texas Chainsaw Massacre fans, you guys are my favorite fan base. I'm a Friday the 13th guy, first and foremost, but your fan base is better than the Friday the 13th fans, so you guys need to be the ones to make this happen. The ones that are listening to this show, you have a voice. Go out there start a petition, do something, make this Blu-ray happen. There's no reason we shouldn't have a great Blu-ray out there for Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. It's a it's a very good movie, and then when you compare it to the, some of the movies that get Blu-rays, come on now. It's kind of ridiculous. But uh, hey, can you talk about the, the Chainsaw fan base for me? Because um, I, I love the fan base. I think they're more loyal than any other slasher franchise, but you're, you're the one that gets to uh, talk to them at conventions and stuff. Talk a little bit about that.
4: No, I've, I've, I will say this, I, and, and not that I've gone to a million conventions or whatever yet. Ken Ferrey or Ra would certainly be a better, better uh, guy to answer this question. But I can just speak from my experience. I have only met amazing people that, that 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 have come up to me about this movie. I mean, I mean, to a person, they've been incredibly gracious and. Uh, uh, and, and knowledgeable and, and and interesting and and just I can't say enough about them. I mean I mean and and I would say definitely and 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 that and and certainly that's whatever fans I have. Most of them is most of them are due to uh, Leatherface, and um, I, I I can't say enough about the fan base and and I've I've been. I mean, people have shown me tattoos of you know of, of, of Leatherface from that movie and, and, and just just stuff like that, which is like it, it's it's it's, yeah, it's not a, it's just a compliment. It's just it's just it just it it hits you, you know, to the bottom of your core. I mean, it's like man. I mean, it's like it makes you feel like you yeah, hey you know it made just a, a little bit of impact, you know, in in film history or something. I don't know, but 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 in terms of the fan base, it's, they are they if I can speak to them collectively, uh, they're wonderful. I mean I mean I've had nothing but great experiences talking to anybody about that movie. And, and even if they say, Oh, you know, I didn't like this or didn't like it, that that's that's great and they know they can say that stuff. I mean but but it's just they they've always come to with, with you know from a place of of loving the loving the series and, and, and just loving the you know and, and and it all it begins and it will end with Toby Hooper. Uh and, and that that's really that's really we all pay homage to him, uh, because he's the guy that you know, with Kim Hinkle and, and uh, Wayne Bell, I would say those are the three biggies um behind the scenes, uh for that for that movie. And and, and it, we would not even be talking about any of this if it weren't if it weren't for Toby Cooper. And uh so so he's really the when when they, when they when they say something to me I say something to Toby, you know, metaphorically speaking, because he's it's, 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 it's really it's him, and he spawned it. So, so but 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 the fan base is wonderful, and and uh, and I found that with with with, with almost I mean every it's a horror fan or horror convention, because it, because also the other thing you have to realize I'm a fan too. I, I'm ai was a fan of, of of horror before I ever became a filmmaker. And that's one of the things that inspired me to be a filmmaker is my love of horror films. So, so I I, I, I come from a fan perspective first too. I mean, I, I mean, but a fan perspective that that knew at a very early age you wanted to make movies. So, I mean, I'm a fan, that I, I, and I will always be a fan. You know, so in, at these conventions, it's an honor to meet a lot of people that 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 I get to meet. So, um, so so it's 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 a two way street, definitely. And, and the the you know the 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 love or the like of of this film that they give to me it's like I mean it just it just flows back to them too I mean it's a it's a I hate to be so you know 1960s uh, hate Ashbury about it but but it's it's true I mean it it the love flows both ways
0: um so it has been since i think January since we talked So I, I kind of wanted you to get into what you're up to since that time actually
4: well actually- actually at that time I was right in the middle i mean for one thing i was doing uh right in the middle of doing shameless plug uh uh all the documentaries uh for my first movie which which was a uh, a, a it was a huge undertaking that that I did with Daniel Griffith of Valley Who Productions was a terrific filmmaker in his own right and he agreed to to make these two documentaries that were supporting the uh the blu-ray release of my first film and they were, they ended up being both feature length documentaries so it was like making two films so really so like from let's say October September from uh, September 2014 to really March of 2015 I was, I was making helping make these these two documentaries that, that were feature length and and they were it was a great experience and and I didn't make them I, I helped make them in the sense that I gave Daniel everything that that uh, it was basically digging up my past my you know basically uh dredging up everything that made me start to be a filmmaker so one of the documentaries was about growing up and making super 8 films and and the other documentary was about the making of From a Whisper to a Scream. So that, that Blu-ray is available from Screen Factory. Uh, it's called From a Whisper to a Scream. And it's my first uh, film, which was a horror film, starring Vincent Price. And, it's a, and the two documentaries, even if you hate the movie or didn't know anything about the movie, the two documentaries supporting the movie are better than the film itself in many ways. So that's yeah. why I was mad. So, uh, so that that uh, that was a very painful experience in a lot of ways because you, know, you you're immediately catapulted back 30 years and, and who who you were, who you thought you were, who you ended up being. It was just all very therapeutic. Um, I've got to say. Say so. Uh, any uh,
0: any future things that you want to do? Uh, share with us
4: that that you might well, have on I mean, the horizon. there are a few things, few, things, few things in the works, but nothing nothing that I can share right now. But 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 I will guarantee you will see another two things. You will see another movie from me, and you will see another horror film from me. They can Those are the things we like to hear. <laughs> you can't keep you can't keep a good man down, and uh, you can't keep me down either. So uh, so uh, believe me, I'll make. Yeah, I because I, I love the genre, so so it's not it it's a genre that it's not I want to do nothing but horror, but I but I definitely want to do another horror film, and 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 because I haven't done a horror film in in a very long time, uh, and certainly one of my own in very very long time, so so I'm kind of chomping at the bit. I've got a couple scripts I'm working on, and and uh, and, and independent filmmaking here in Georgia where I am right now is uh it's it's a very interesting place to be and uh Chattanooga, Tennessee, which I'm very near, has got a lot of things bubbling too. So uh so it's a it's a it's a it's a interesting time and you know it's, as you know it's an interesting time in film to begin with, uh just because, you know, transition uh to I mean not just the transition to digital, but just, just uh just what makes a film and you know who makes the films and how the, how films get made and the frustrating part is is the theatrical experience is has lessened on some level, but um, but for horror films it, it hasn't. Yeah, you know, horror horror is really the only genre that that it, it improves the movie if you if there's an amateur component to it and you don't know who's on screen,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and in almost any other genre you can't say that about. Yeah, a romantic comedy. A a romantic comedy is always going to fucking work with Jennifer Aniston and you know Paul Rudd, right? You almost need those. I and mean, I'm saying those guys arbitrarily, but you know you know what I'm talking about. Doris Day and Rock Hudson. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre would have been a disaster with uh, you know uh, who would have been in the 1970s, like you know. Alex Cord as Leatherface or something, you know. I mean, I mean uh, the fact it was all unknowns, it, it helped the movie immensely, you know. And so you can you can put that you can you can apply that to Blair Witch, you can apply that to Paranormal Activity, you can apply that to, you know, some of the Jason Bloom stuff. Jason Bloom stuff is now becoming more mainstream, but um, horror films, though, that really are pretty much the only genre that that is absolutely helped. By unknown actors and and possibly lower production value, because it increases the re, "quote unquote" reality and and, um, and 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 the scares, you know, because there's no pecking order of that guy's the star. You know, they're not going to kill, uh, you know, Vince Vaughn in the first first reel. They're gonna they're gonna wait, you know, and uh, and and when when they're all unknowns, all bets are off. You don't know who's going to live, who's going to die.
0: It feels very then, real compared yeah. to the other ones so, I mean if you go back and look at the original chainsaw the the grittiness of, of it is oh, yeah. what made it oh, feel oh, so absolutely. real
4: absolutely and and it was one of those things that was it was said at the time it was like it was like a movie about serial killers that looked like it was made by serial killers, and yeah. there's a lot of a lot of truth to that you know and it but, but but that but that movie i mean but but that said. Don't let anyone tell you that Toby didn't know what he was doing or that it all an accident. That's bullshit. I mean, there's such art and, 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 and just craft in that movie that, that it's, just, it, it's just... I will implore anyone that hasn't seen that movie in a while, watch it again and, and really pay attention to it because it's stunning. Uh, it, it's it's still stunning. Uh, I mean, it's as stunning as it was in 74. In and um, I, I'm just a, a huge. I can't. I mean, it's it's hard to say you're a fan of the movie because because it's I, that means you're like a fan of killing or something. I don't mean that. It's it's just you admire so much that how that movie was made and and everyone in it and just the commitment that that Gunnar Hansen made and and Marilyn Burns and and Neal, all those guys. It, it just, it, it's just it's it's the commitment in making that movie. The making that movie and And what Daniel Pearl did in that movie just just wonderful, and the editing and just the it's just it's just on a craft level it's amazing and and on a visceral level it it's amazing and um and that and that ain't going
0: away, no absolutely not and Jeff, I'll tell you what you know i was I was thinking about it while you were talking I was like Jeff's the man, and i'm th- sitting here thinking about what you're saying and all that and I'm like. You know what? We, we we do these serial killer specials once a month, but as far as actual like horror guests, you are our only guest that we've we've had on twice. So you're in a you're in you know exclusive company, and there's a reason. Hey, that. I, 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 I feel honored. I, I I'm honored. So yeah, I mean I, that's well that's how much we liked you the first time around. So we had to bring you back if we're talking Texas Chainsaw Three because. As far as I'm concerned, it, despite anything you had to deal with with the movie, that movie's still your baby, and you're attached to it.
4: No, absolutely, know, for better that's and for worse. What, absolutely, No, absolutely. I don't want to say that I that I'm not attached to it, and and, and it certainly has got it's got my DNA in it too. Believe me. But mm-hmm. any fans of that movie, um, uh, just a little shout out. Uh, October second, uh, there's a convention called Cinema Wasteland. And there's going to be a a Texas Chainsaw Massacre three uh, quote unquote reunion, and uh, almost everybody from that movie are going to be there.
0: Very cool. And, very and cool.
4: it's in it's in it's in uh, Ohio, but but Cinemawestland's a bit. It's a very famous uh, convention.
0: Oh yeah, so, you guys can and, and look
4: that up too. I've
0: seen it online. Yeah.
4: And, uh, yeah, yeah. Very exactly.
0: cool. Very cool. Well, hey, if you have any other plugs you want to throw out, go for it. This is your forum.
4: Yeah, no, no, I think that's it, uh, you know, basically, but but I will say go to Daniel Griffiths uh Ballyhoo Productions website and uh Facebook page, etc, uh because he is the he is he's is a fans uh, uh blessing because he's done so much work on you know, somewhat obscure horror films and and, and cult movies doing behind the scenes and uh making of stuff. That's just amazing. It's head and shoulders above what's being done today. And so I I can't talk uh, enough about his his talent and uh, just he's a wonderful, uh, he's a blessing for independent film lovers. Absolutely. Very cool. Well, Jeff, if you
0: ever have anything you want to talk about, you want to plug, you want to come on and talk about, even if it's for five to ten minutes, go for it. Just hit us up and we'll we'll have you on. We had a great time as always. And
4: okay. take care well, of I again I'm honored that uh that a second time and uh hopefully it won't be the last. Uh, thank you guys and thank you so much for, for your your uh your patience and, and also your uh, your enthusiasm.
3: Well we'll keep it alive,
4: buddy. You take care okay. of it. Okay. I appreciate it. The saw his family, and you are, too. Have a great night.
0: Okay, you too. Bye. And that was the man himself, the director of Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, the master of sequels in the horror genre as far as I'm concerned. Jeff Burr, uh, love that guy. And Vic should be wandering outside here shortly to uh, talk to me about that movie because I'm going to get Vic's thoughts first on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Vic's a, what I like to call a connoisseur of Part 3.
3: <laughs> What's up, man? Can you hear me? You sound
0: very good right now. Yeah, very good.
3: Awesome, awesome. I'm just outside chilling, man. Oh, well, first of all, Jeff Burbs, the fucking man. Uh, I've said it numerous times. I mean, I, I have the tattoo from the cover of Chainsaw 3 on me, so that's how much I love the movie. Um, the, the, whole, the whole cast is just great. I mean... Ken Ford, he's the fucking man. It's one of my favorite roles by him. Um, Kay Hodge is... I mean, if Marilyn Burns wasn't in the series, she'd be my favorite Survivor girl. I know that's blasphemy with all the uh, the fucking uh, Chainsaw 2 love that is out there now, and, you know, everybody loves... Uh, wow. See, I can't remember her name right now. <clears throat> but Kay Hodge... I love Carol Hodge Williams? All- yes, thank you, God. Okay. But I, I love I love Kate Hodgins movie. Uh, Will Butler is awesome, and I mean they work well together. And the the crazy guy, man, he is he's the most underrated guy in the entire series. Yes, he's he's not fucking top weird. Top. He's he fucking is. weird. You know what I'm saying? He's not he's not Bill Moseley. He's not uh Evan Neal. But the dude is just he's a straight lunatic, man. Man, I think he 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 does that real well, and. I mean, so we're we're three movies in, and we got three crazy nuts, and they all do the job tremendous, and they they're all probably you know the key parts of the movie outside of uh, Leatherface, but and I mean, getting I, I think the family in this one is one of the best. I mean, Leatherface has his daughter from where he raped Caroline Williams, <laughs> and then, then he he kept the daughter and then killed her. Is my, what I'm assuming. <laughs> um, grandpa is, you know, grandpa, whatever. But Jennifer Manko, I mean, she's only, what, like, seven in this movie, maybe, maybe 9 old, 6, 5, I No, don't I think know she guess. was, like, 11, dude. She was a little
0: older. Well,
3: but what, no, maybe, what,
0: like, what 9.
3: She's maybe, like, yeah. 9. Yeah, man. I mean, she did this, and, you know, Friday, Part 7, like, right back-to-back back or whatever, and, she, you know, she, she was pretty awesome in this as the little kid, and, like, she was, she was a fucking creepy-ass kid, too. Like, just like yeah, nuts, man. Like the whole, uh, you know, yak yak, don't talk back thing. And well, I know we don't have much time because I don't think we can actually uh, go over on this uh, this network. Yeah. But so I'll go ahead and throw it out there. It is my favorite sequel out of the entire series. Um, that is blasting me with a lot of people as well. But fuck you, it gets four out of four bloody chainsaws all day long for me.
0: Vic, I'm going to have to agree with a lot of. Well, I'm going to agree with everything you said on there, except for your rating. I can't quite go for because it, it, it. I I you know when I look at part one and I look at part two, part one's an absolute classic. Will never be touched by any other movie, even my Friday series. It is a different. It those aren't even they're just so different that Chainsaw is its own animal, and the only thing that even comes close to me is The Exorcist, and for different reasons in its own way, but. And then part two is completely different animal. And then part three kind of takes it, tries to take it back to the beginning and just doesn't do it quite as well. One of my problems with the movie is that Ken Foray is just there. Like, I know that sounds very odd, because I love Ken Foray, but he's just there. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't get to do much. He's not that in- interesting. He, he doesn't get to be a character that I enjoy very much. He's just kind of there. And that's one of my disappointments in the movie. Kate Hodge, I had kind of, like swayed on her a little bit, but I still like her. Um, Jennifer Benko is very good. R.A. Millenhoff very good as Leatherface. Uh, I hate the mask less than I used to because it used to bug me a little bit, but I actually kind of dig it now. Um, the The scene where he's saying meat or or food, you know, when a clown, <laughs> clown. Great, that yeah. is the best scene in the whole movie. Uh, the yeah. hitchhiker guy was awesome. He should have got his fucking head blown off, though, instead of just getting shot in the chest. That was disappointing.
4: But the yeah, line where, you know, that.
0: There's Roadkill all over Texas was cool. Where Leatherface stuck the dude's hand in the oven was sweet. The hammer to the head on William Butler, where he was hanging over the tub, was pretty cool. And there's a lot of really good things in this movie. And I'm swaying between a three and a three and a half machetes out of four. And, and, and I really, I keep, I'm going to stick with three, I think. Three out of four machetes for Texas Teensaw 3. I'm probably going a little low on it. But I'll tell you this much, I give it a better rating than most people do, because this movie does not get enough love. Is it a great movie? Eh, that's debatable. Is it a very good movie, especially at part three, when you look at all the other part threes that are out there? Uh, I think it's very good. I mean, they could have really fucked this movie up considering what Jeff Burr went through to get this movie made. So I think I think this movie deserves a lot of praise. And Vic, I guess with that being said, since we don't have a ton of time, I'll jump to a new, Next Generation since I just hadn't watched that the, the other day. I did that for you people, so I just want to let you know. <laughs> I sat there, and I sat there sober, and I watched Sexist Chainsaw on Next Generation. Uh, and I was like, this, like, while I was watching it, and of course I've seen it before but many times, No, not many times. Fuck that. That's stupid. I've seen at least four or five. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, they can't be fucking serious with this. They're like, they're they're screwing with me here. Like, I'm thinking to myself, this can't, this can't be like, surely they're not asking me to take this seriously. Surely what they're doing is, this has to be like a comedy. And they're trying to, and I I still can't tell to this day. High points in the movie, Matthew McConaughey. That's it. Okay, there's fucking nothing else. There's some tits in the movie, but it's a body double, there? so it doesn't count. So, yeah, that's it, dude. That's it. Leatherface is a screaming faggot in this movie, and pisses me off, and I want to kick him down the stairs every five minutes, a- screaming and fucking acting retarded, like first okay, he never dude. should. It's okay. And as soon as he came out with tits, and and then the dude licking Renee Zellweger's face and whatever else, man, I don't fucking know what. I don't get this movie, and I never will. Like, Jason X, at least I understood it. This movie, I don't understand. There is no fucking comprehension to this movie. But, that being said, Matthew McConaughey is so damn entertaining in this movie that it brings it up from what Jason X was, where Jason X was like a zero or a half a star out of four or a half a machete out of four. I give this a full machete out of four. One full machete, which is probably more than it should ever deserve.
3: I mean, I, I can't argue with any of that. It's a flaming pile of shit. Um, it's a disgrace to the entire franchise. Um, the entire cast sucks outside of Matthew McConaughey. But whenever he stomps on the fucking dude's head and just, like, smushes it with his boot, I like yes. that.
0: That was the shit <laughs> I, like, I like that. He
3: did, he did that, too. Yeah. Because his yeah,
0: face
3: yeah. is awesome. Yes, I, I like that. Because he looked like he really did that somewhere in life. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, I like that. But, oh, my God, how fucking horrible is this movie, dude? Like, everybody fucking sucks. Um, But I will say this, because I'm going to compare it to Jason X because that's what I have to do because I feel like they're on the same level. Mm -hmm. Um, Watching Jason X when I was drunk, I was sober after watching it. Watching this when I was drunk, I actually, I didn't enjoy it, but I thought it made the movie better. Which it did not do for Jason Next. So, with that being said, I as just like you, I, I give it a full chainsaw out of four just because of Matthew McConaughey. I mean, his role was just so great. I'm sure he probably don't claim being in the movie ever. I wouldn't, but his, I mean, his role was awesome. And I, I will say I have watched this movie a lot because it used to come on TV. You no, know, because none, none, of the other ones ever came on TV, but this one was always on like the movie channel or some random sh- channel, USA or something. So I watched it a lot. I do on the DVD. I watched it like twice since I bought it, or no, probably just one time, because that'd be stupid to watch it twice. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it gets one just because of Matthew McConaughey because he's so great in this movie. Uh, I mean, who, who even cares that uh, a Zellweger's in it? I mean, she's a cunt. Who cares?
0: <laughs> Let me just say, Vic, like, my last thoughts on the movie, okay, before we head into our plugs and, and you know, info for next week's show, which next week's show uh, I think is just going to be us talking about uh, the remake and the beginning, okay? I think that's what we're going to do next week, um, so FYI. Um, but uh, last thoughts on it. Who ever thought that there would be a Texas Chainsaw movie that you could talk about and look back on and say the best thing about this movie was Matthew McConaughey the worst thing about this movie was Leatherface. <laughs> that didn't make any fucking sense. And that's what that, the movie was. It didn't make any fucking sense.
3: That is embarrassing.
0: So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's... that's the worst things of, and the best things about the movie. And it's about the most confusing thing I've ever heard of. And so is the movie. And so is the ending because it made no sense. But that's that. And I'll let you uh continue into our plugs here and chime in when I need to.
3: Oh, I just want to say one more thing about the movie. Fuck that movie. It is erased from Texas Chainsaw lore forever. I never want to ever have to watch it again unless I'm doing a marathon, and then I will because I have to. Yeah, but Anyway, yeah. that's the rule. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just what has to happen. All right, so next week uh, we'll be talking about the uh, the remake and uh, the beginning. I have talked to uh, Bronarski at one point, and He said he would do it if he was available. Last time I hit him up, he no-sold me. So I'm going to hit him up again sometime this week and see if he can come on. If not, whatever. We're, maybe we can get the – didn't we have the director on once? Maybe we we'll can get him back. Uh, <laughs> but, uh,
0: Yeah, we did. We did. Maybe I can hit him yeah. up or hit
3: his agent up. Yeah, so I wasn't on that show, so maybe he can come back. But I hope everybody enjoyed this show on the new network. Uh, I didn't have any connection issues, so yay for a talk show on that. Woo! Um you can find us on the Facebook, the Book of Faces, if you will, for a chainsaw. Book of Faces, I like it. But uh, Travis and Vic, Drunken Horror Adventures. Uh, follow us on the Twitter machine, Travis and Vic Horror. Same thing on Instagram, which I don't use as much as I should. I pissed in the bushes. I'm going to do that because I'm outside with the bushes right now. Yeah, I did <laughs> Good job. Oh, yeah. um, the website, which uh, we're actually using at the moment, uh, Travinvictor.wordpress.com. We use um, it well too. Yeah. Do Do we still got that uh that serial yes. so killer go, going on?
0: Go vote. Who Who do you want us to talk about on October 26th? And uh, we only got a few seconds left. the Impaler, um, uh, Elizabeth Bathory, or um, fucking Jack the Ripper. You have that's it probably for the show. But that's your choices. And Vic, I'm heading out. We'll see what happens on the show, and I'll talk to you next week. Okay. All righty, man. I'll holler at y'all later. Later.